Welcome back to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Ben Standing here. I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic, and I host this here podcast. Excited, as always, to talk to you guys about the Washington football team. Um, hey, we could even talk about the Washington Wizards. They actually played a game today for the first time since January 11th. Uh, we won't talk about them today, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll figure out something down the line. Um, but they did play. That is notable. <laughs> just just to play, it, it counts as a win for them. All right, we got a lot to get to here on the podcast. I just finished an interview with Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. He is one of their salary cap guys. Uh, there's a lot to discuss on that front with Washington as we head into the off season, um, and specifically this weekend, it became a little more interesting because of the fact that uh, Matthew Stafford, the Detroit Lions quarterback, is on the trade market, on the trade block. The Lions are saying he will be uh, available, and you know Washington is going to be one of the teams that's not just reported to be, you know, that, that logically would be in, in the mix. I think you would have to assume that Washington is actually in the mix for a variety of reasons that Brad and I will get, got into. Uh, we talked about what, what do we think it will cost for, for Stafford, both in terms of the salary but also the trade acquisition. Uh, and then we get into what do you do about Alex Smith's contract? Uh, how does that help the Washington situation? What do you do with Brandon Scherf? He's a free agent. Um, you know, he just made $15 million this year. What do you do there? Uh, the, we know they need more help at wide receiver. This is an interesting year at receiver. You got some guys like Allen Robinson, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, some other guys. So we talked about all that stuff with Brad, and we got into some of the games today. Obviously, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, moving on to the Super Bowl. So uh, a fun conversation, really in-depth. I uh, Salary cap is not my strength. Brad was patient with me, but I think it was a really informative one, and I really think you guys will like it because it's obviously we can sit here and talk about all these things about what Washington should or shouldn't do. But there is there are rules here that, that we have to go by in terms of the money, what you you know what, what's available to you, and and there's consequences when you pay people. There's consequences when you don't on some level in terms of uh, wins and losses. So fun conversation. We get into all that here on the Standing Room Only podcast, and obviously there's other things going on uh, with this team, including the front office. I'll get to that in just a second. Uh, just quick reminder: you can of course read my stuff on the Athletic. Um, I have a, a new interview up. On there with Quincy Avery, noted quarterback coach, private quarterback coach for Deshaun Watson, with uh, Trey Lance, one of the uh, projected first-round picks in this draft, and he's the quarterback coach for Dwayne Haskins. So I talked to him about all those things. You can look at, uh, you can read that on the Athletic. I'm also going to turn that into an interview here on the podcast. We went at length, like 45 minutes. I couldn't put it all up on the site, so there's still plenty to get to, even if you do read. Uh, the, the, the site, there's plenty to get into. And the Dwayne Haskins stuff, obviously, is interesting to hear from a guy who was working with him, you know, uh, you know behind the scenes. Uh, what did he think about Dwayne Haskins um, in the season? Also asked him about what does he think about Washington's quarterback situation, Alex Smith, Taylor Heineke, Kyle Allen, free agency, the draft, all that stuff. So we'll get that to that on the, um, on the podcast. You can subscribe if you don't already. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all that fun stuff. And you can follow me on Twitter. At Ben Standig. I should also mention, so on Friday, when the news came down that Washington has a new front office, Marty Herney, Martin Mayhew, joining Ron Rivera's brain trust, um, I, part of that was I interviewed Buffalo Bills GM Brandon Bean uh, because he worked with Ron Rivera and Marty Herney in Carolina. Very generous of him 
to spend some time with me. So that interview is up. If you haven't heard it yet, I encourage you. Please go listen to that. It's, only, it's about 10 minutes, give or take. Um, I just think it's interesting. I mean, one, to have a general manager talk. And, you know, look, I didn't expect him to come out and say negative things about Rivera and Herney, but I asked some specific questions. Why does he think this marriage works between these guys? What makes them uh, connect? What did you, as a guy who's now helped build the Buffalo Bills into a team that made the AFC Championship game, what lessons did you take away from that? I think it was an informative uh, conversation. So I hope you guys will listen to that and tell, tell your people, tell your friends out there. Um, before we get to Brad, so just a couple quick things. So uh, it was reported over the weekend by Jason Lock and four with CBS sports that there's some changes going to go on in Washington scouting department. Um, Kyle, uh, Kyle Smith out uh, some, some, some other scouts and others could be out as well. Now you've already heard me on this podcast say, Kyle Smith won't be back. I said that last week. I've been kind of suggesting it all along. I didn't necessarily know what the timing would be. Sometimes these things can linger beyond the draft, although in his case, since he was the primary decision maker and he wouldn't be now, um, because you have Herney and Mayhew, not to mention they all report to Ron, that it made sense that Kyle Smith could be gone at some point. Um, At some point could be now. And where does he go? Um, If he were to go, you know, I don't know. I mean, San Francisco is an obvious place. Martin Mayhew had the exact same title that Kyle Smith did. That would be an easy fit. And he's worked with Kyle Shanahan before. I think they have a good relationship. Uh, Some people have speculated the Rams because of Sean McVay. The Rams also have now just lost a couple of front office people. Their new GM is Brad Holmes. I'm sorry. Their their former director of college scouting was Brad Holmes, who's now the, the... Lions new GM who'll be trading Matthew Stafford. They also took Ray Agnew, who was also a high executive in the Rams front office to be in Detroit. Um, my initial sense is though, that the Rams are maybe not necessarily looking at Kyle, but I don't necessarily know that that's all the way true. And the fact that the Agnew thing just happened today could change that, but a couple teams, a couple things to keep in mind. Um, as far as the scouts go, like a look, I've heard some names, um, but I don't want to sort of throw anything out there. One, I, I don't have it enough to definitively confirm it. So, you know, got to be responsible and, and that. And two, you know, you know, I know we talk about these people, get rid of this guy, get, get that guy, whoever, you know, these are people with lives and, 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 and families and, and all that stuff. And obviously if you're going to get let go by a team, that's a tough, that's a tough day. So, you know, things will come out in due time, but, um, you know, as far as Kyle Smith goes, um, you know, I haven't definitively heard that he's out this minute. But again, as I already told you, he is, um, you know, there's no, there's, there, he's not going to be back. There's no logical reason that he would be. My sense has been that he wasn't going to be back for some time. But, you know, you had to see, you know, let things play out. And, you know, once Ron Rivera brings in other people and then doesn't interview Kyle Smith for the job, but does interview Eric Stokes, I mean, that tells you a lot, obviously, right there. So, We'll see how that unfolds. Um, it's also you know, reasonable to think that two new executives are going to want to bring in their own scouts, the people they're, own, they're, all, they're familiar with. And while I know that Kyle Smith is a guy that everybody around here thinks has done a great job, and I think there's a lot of reasons to point to that he did. We've talked about this a bunch. We don't need to, you know, I hopefully don't think we need to go through this uh, uh, again. But nonetheless, um, Marty Herney and Martin Mayhew are going to have their own people they're, that they're going to want to know and that they believe in and they trust and, and so on. So, Take that for what it's worth. I'm not necessarily saying this is the right move or it's a bad move because we'll have to just see how it unfolds. But it's logical to think that if you hire people to come in at, the, at, at an executive level like that, that they're going to bring in their own people 
to help them out. So take that for what it's worth, but we'll see how this unfolds here in the next few days. Um, I would imagine we hear something sooner than later. Um, my guess is that we'll hear a press conference this week, Ron Rivera and his two new executives um, later in the week. It is Senior Bowl week, which makes changes even more interesting that you would have different people heading to the Senior Bowl. Uh, we have a new uh, staff shakeup. Um, some of the names I heard um, who are, who will not be back um, or not expected to be back were, were down in the Senior Bowl last year. So, um, you know, big changes in Washington. We'll see how that all shakes out. Um, mentioned Stafford, mentioned uh, the front office mentioned the Brandon Bean interview. I think we've mentioned everything. So we'll, we'll get to it again. Always appreciate you guys checking out the podcast. Uh, it's an informative podcast with, with Brad. Again, he's, he's helping us understand the salary cap. I know there's some of you out there who've got this like the back of your hand. I'm not one of those people. I'll be free to admit it, but uh, I, I think I got a little bit smarter listening to this. And I think it's important because, like I said, we can't just sit here and say Washington should trade for Stafford. They should go sign Allen Robinson. They should go get a linebacker. They can keep Brandon Scherf. You know, you can't do everything. Or maybe you can, but what is the cost if you do? And I think all these things matter. So that's what we got into here on the Standard Room Only podcast uh, with Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. Fun conversation. Let's get into it right now. All right, we're about to get a little bit smarter. I know I certainly am because the salary cap is absolutely not my not my favorite uh, thing to discuss. I was told there would be no math when I decided to be a sports writer, but that is not how the world works, especially when we get to the offseason where money and salary cap and dead cap and all that kind of fun stuff uh, becomes a big factor. And uh, here to help us sort through this, he is, uh, we could find him over on, Pro Football Focus. You can find him on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. He is Brad Spielberger. Brad, Brad, I really appreciate it. We're, we're, we're talking right after the two football games today. How uh, did you did you enjoy yourself some football today? Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me on. And yeah, there was some good games for sure. I feel like the playoff games were not great so far, just in terms of pure entertainment value. Been some good matchups and whatnot. But yeah, I feel like today's games were obviously the Chiefs kind of pulled away at the end there, but there was a couple scraps, which kept things interesting. So yeah, it was, it was some good games. I don't want to throw you into the category of assuming that you pick you, you uh, are, are going. So part of the reason why I asked you to come on was I know, you know I, I followed you for a while now on Twitter and it, you, in your bio it talks about you have a, a salary cap background and there's a lot of questions we have. We got to talk about uh, the, the Matthew Stafford situation that's now kind of unfolding and whether getting to maybe where Washington kind of fits into that. Obviously, Alex Smith's contract is in play and under some other aspects with Washington. But so I don't want to put you into the, uh, I mean this affectionately, into sort of the nerd label of like the, all you view, you only view the, these games through numbers. But I, but but the two big, the, the, the biggest takeaway I think of, of this day beyond Brady and Mahomes winning is the decision by Matt LaFleur to not go for the, to go, go for the attempted touchdown on fourth down from the 10 yard line. Instead he kicks the field goal, gives the ball back to Tom Brady, but never sees it again. That was going to be the runaway choice. But then, wait a minute, Sean McDermott, they're down 17. I know he was a couple things there. He's down 17 with like four minutes to go. I get it. They're probably not going to win anyway. He goes for two. If you make, if you miss it, which they did, you now need three scores instead of kicking the extra point. I think, I don't know what the math is. That seems like that's worse almost 
than the LaFleur call, even though the LaFleur one was bigger in the moment because it was literally for the game, more or less. But like from a, uh, a, a percentage equation, that one almost seems like it's worse. What the hell? <laughs> the funny thing there, honestly, with McDermott is the fact that he kicked two field goals when he had goal-to-goal situations on fourth down. And I get that, I guess maybe both were in the first half, but it, against the Chiefs, it doesn't matter. So I think it was fourth and three at the eight-yard line. They kicked a field goal. That's even more, you know, I almost feel like the, go, the going for two at the end was him just like being aggressive just for the sake of being aggressive. And right. perhaps because he, re- he regretted not taking any chance to stay in the game possible because you just can't kick field goals against these Chiefs. Right, right, right. I mean, it definitely wasn't, uh, it's more sort of me amusing myself, but you're right. I feel like he was like, oh, screw it. We're just going to go for two. It's like, ah, wait, what? It doesn't actually, uh, the math doesn't actually work on that. What, what, what were you screaming at your TV on the little floor one though? When I mean, just to set the stage, I assume people uh, follow play, but uh, the, uh, the Packers are down eight, just over two minutes to go. They have all their timeouts, a two minute warning, but you're down eight. It's fourth down. And I want to say about the 10 yard line, give or take somewhere mm-hmm. around there. And they decide to kick the field goal, meaning down five. So you still, you still need, uh, I'm sorry, no, you're down. Uh, they were down, wait, down five. Yeah, five. So you still yeah, need a five. touchdown. Yeah. Right. Still need a touchdown. And you have Aaron freaking Rogers and you're giving the ball to Brady. I, I can't even comprehend what was going on. Cause in the worst case scenario, you don't make the fourth down. Tampa has the ball now at, or again, around the 10 and that's you still it. I mean, touchdown, right? yeah, you, you still have to stop them and you still need a touchdown. Yeah, no. So I, you know, I, I, I tried to play out his logic. So it was about literally two minutes and five seconds. So in his mind, he's like, all right, I have four stoppages of the clock. Cause he had all three timeouts and the two minute warning. So like, I kind of, I understood the machinations of it, but at the end of the day, like you said, first you have Aaron Rodgers, who should have taken off on third down and, and ran the ball and, and maybe gained a couple of yards, and then it would have been fourth and three or fourth and two. Then I think they definitely would have gone for it. Um, but yeah, in that spot in that game, like you said, you're giving it back to Brady, who wasn't spectacular, but um, but still. The thing is, best case scenario, okay, let's say you kick the field goal, you're down five, but they get the ball, you get two-minute warning, and then three. To, I'll use all three timeouts. You still need to go score a touchdown to win with like a minute and you know 15 minute and 30 left, and that's your best case scenario. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I I didn't love it. I tried to play it out at first, but now you got to go for it there. Uh, any early thought on the game itself, the Super Bowl? Tam, I mean, obviously it's it couldn't be a sexier matchup. Tom Brady, greatest quarterback of all time. Don't argue if you say if you say Peyton Manning, you're off the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and then obviously going against Patrick Mahomes is currently the best player in the league. Uh, probably seems like he's not going to win the MVP this year because of Rogers will, but he's, you know, he's already won MVP, won the Super Bowl last year, going for back to back. It is an incredibly fun matchup. Um, I'm sure Kansas City is favorite. I don't know what, if there's already an early line probably, but what did you have any like initial thought on that game? For sure. I mean, Mahomes' last playoff loss was against Tom Brady um, overtime at, at Arrowhead in the AFC championship game in 2018. And then he won the Super Bowl last year, and now he's, you know, playing Brady again to, uh, you know, avenge that that loss from his first season as a starter. So you were, I thought you were going to say you were going to kick me off the podcast if I said Mahomes was the greatest quarterback of all time, which it's premature, but we're, we're probably trending in that direction. Um, and I and I think the Chiefs are the better football team, not to take away from the Bucks uh, at all, but I mean they lose Antoine Winfield before the game, and then Jordan Whitehead gets hurt in the game, so down two starting safeties, both good players. Um, maybe Winfield will come back for the Super Bowl, um, but that's tough. I mean, this, this this Chiefs offense is just a juggernaut. 
Um, and, and I don't think they can afford to have many weak spots. But on the opposite end, you obviously have um, Eric Fisher went out, uh, left tackle for the Chiefs. Um, said it was an Achilles injury. And, I, you know, that sounds scary. Maybe it's not as bad as it sounds. But we're already missing that right tackle in Mitchell Schwartz. So that Bucks front against, you know, a team with two backup tackles, maybe they keep it interesting. But I honestly, I still think the Chiefs, I'm not going to say win handily, but I kind of do think they win by maybe two scores. All right. Well, we've got we've got two weeks to ponder all that. Um, I don't know how long we have to ponder uh, Matthew Stafford's future in Detroit, but obviously uh, this is the first time we've I've been on the podcast since the news came down on Saturday that the Detroit Lions have determined that they're going to let Matthew Stafford get out of Detroit. Good, good, good for him. <laughs> I mean, it's he's been there his whole career, but obviously, you know, I'm sure he would like to compete for something, and they're not. They haven't been in position very often to do that. And I do want to get into Stafford in a minute, but obviously Washington is going to be one of the teams mentioned. And I think there's, I'm not going to say they will get him, but I think there's real, I think it makes a lot of sense on a variety of reasons. Obviously their defense was a lot better this year. They clearly have major questions at quarterback. And this is part of what I want to get into with you is sort of like looking at Washington situation and get your sense as somebody who, who pays attention to these things. What, what, what makes sense where if there's a certain le- level of urgency that I kind of see, and then also discuss what they do maybe to generate some other money. What do you do with Alex Smith? You got Brandon Scherf, uh, their first all-pro player to make all-pro since 1996. He is a free agent, having just played on a franchise tag. Um, there's a lot to get into. Does it, make, does it make sense to start with sort of their overall cap situation just as an overview here? What, what do you yeah, think? sure. Yeah, I can just kind of go into their general, um, their landscape, and it's a good one. Uh, it's a very good one. And we have them fifth in projected cap space for 2021. Um, oh, sorry. Then- and if I didn't say, uh, and I made it, then you also uh, do some things for over the cap. So uh, the, we'll be looking at their numbers uh, today. Yep, that's right. Yeah. So I also also work there. Um, and, and that's kind of my, my gig at PFF is, is salary cap and contract related. So, yeah. So from an from an overview perspective, um, they're, they're definitely in a good spot. And I think not only just being fifth, you know, projected fifth most in cap space, but also when you have other teams that are really going to struggle to kind of get under the cap and, and kind of manage you know, their roster, it, it even helps even more that you basically like you're one of few teams that can really maybe spend if you want to um, outside of your own roster um, and, and kind of attack free agency if you'd like to. So, yeah, I mean, I, they don't even need to really make a bunch of cap clearing moves. I mean, you know, teams obviously like to if they can. Uh, I know they love Alex Smith and I could see a scenario where maybe, you know, because if they do cut him, they could clear about $15 million. So I could see a scenario where instead they just kind of redo his contract, keep him around and really maybe give him the backup contract deal that, he, that he's now potentially worth. Um, and either way, you know, clear, clear money either way. Um, but really, they, you know, they don't have, they don't really have an urgency to, to, you know, to clear a bunch of guys off the roster if they don't want to. Now, when I'm looking at the, the, the number, uh, so the, the, the number that shows here, cap space, uh, 35 million uh, effective cap space, the same number, I guess for some teams it's, uh, if you actually, have less a, than if you have less than the full 53 under contract, you know, effective just means um, the remaining you don't have times the minimum. So let's say you had 40 guys under contract, we'd multiply 13 just by 660,000 because you obviously need to fill out the full roster. Got it. Now, does this number include any carryover from 2020 or are we not there yet because the season's not over yet? So carryover is official. Uh, that was announced, I think, last week. So, yeah, this does also include carryover. Yep. Okay. Uh, so, so Washington has just over 35 million. That's the fifth most, like we said, 
Um, there's only, so, I mean, the Jaguars are way ahead of everybody, 73 million. Notably, the Colts are next at 64.8 million, really 65 million, basically. Notable because the Colts are going to be one of the teams, in theory, in the mix for Matthew Stafford. In fact, a lot of people will just assume they are the team who absolutely should be making the play for Stafford after Phillip Rivers retires and kind of seeing where they were at this year and their defense and so on. The Patriots are also one of the teams ahead of Washington at 57 million. I think Bill Belichick probably is fairly miserable this year with their overall play. Cam Newton's a free agent. He'll be mentioned here for the obvious reasons, even though, you know, Ron Rivera didn't go get him last year, but, but it could be, could be, uh, could be this time. Um, so I, I guess let's just go to the, to the Stafford part of this. Now, part of Stafford's situation, we assume, I assume, I don't know what you assume, but I assume is that he's going to want, a new contract. Um, I'm gonna. I don't have it in front of me. I don't know if you do, but he, he's got two years left on his current deal. But realistically, right, the the, the last year is kind of basically the the numbers are incredibly friendly because obviously, uh, as often you know, can be the case in these deals that whatever they, you know, numbers get pushed up or the back end is whatever. It doesn't matter. He basically it, it, he's got two years left and the. Uh, and it's not, it's, rel it's relatively speaking, not a ton of money he's going to want an extension. Does that all make sense so far? Yeah, no, I'm with you. <laughs> so, so that said, I, I don't know what you, what, if you thought about necessarily what a Matthew Stafford extension would look like, but in the context, and, and so Washington just went through this in 2018 when they made the trade to get Alex Smith uh, as part of the trade effectively, uh, they had to give him an extension. They did. None of us predicted, obviously, what would happen for him from an injury perspective. But at the time, it felt like it was not a great decision to give to trade for him and then give him all this money based on just sort of where he was in his career and also where Washington was. But OK, so Stafford, I feel is like a I don't know if he's a better quarterback, but he's more fantasy football friendly, it feels like, than Alex Smith. And I think that makes it feel like he's a better quarterback. And we can get into a little bit about whether Stafford is really kind of worth all this hubbub. He's played on He's never won a playoff game, one Pro Bowl. Detroit is terrible. We can blame a lot on him, but quarterback is the most important position and they haven't done a ton throughout his time. But that part aside, have you thought, I guess, yet about what an extension could look like for a guy like him? You know, obviously relative to, I, I don't, look, I mean, quarterbacks get paid crazy money. I mean, I don't know if he's going to end up being the highest paid quarterback in the league, but if you told me he was or one of the ones, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me just based on how the market goes. Yeah, you know, I don't know if he'd go that high. This might be good news. Um, I don't think he's going to sign a deal that would put him in the top five. And I know that that's how the quarterback market tends to flow, where the next guy up just gets the big deal. Um, but he has, you know, he's dealt with a couple of injuries. Um, and there is, like, if you're going to trade for him, I agree with you. If a team does trade for him, it's very likely that he would then sign an extension um, for, if anything, just to get guaranteed money out of the deal, because there's not a lot of guaranteed money left. And especially a quarterback, you, you don't like playing unless you have guarantees. So, no, I'd say he'd probably sign, you know, Smith was what, four years, uh, 94 million. I think you're more looking like four years, 120 million, maybe even 30 million a year. Um, that, that, I would assume that's that's probably even less than you expected, I would, I would say. Maybe in, in the 33 range, um, you know, like something like that. But he's two years younger than Smith was, during, you know, when, when he came over. Um, he's obviously coming from, Smith was coming from one of the best situations in football and the Kansas City Chiefs staff was coming from one of the worst, the Detroit Lions. So, 
um, you know, maybe there's a, you know, there's a gamble that with a better context and a better situation, he really could take off and has the best years in front of him. Um, but I still, I don't see him really topping $35 million a year right after a trade. He missed, he's missed, you know, a decent amount of games uh, the last couple of years. So I think it would be like a, again, a three or four year deal. Um, probably strong in guarantees. I think there'd be a lot of guarantees in it. Um, but it wouldn't be, you know, a crazy 37, 40 million. You're pushing the Deshaun Watsons and whatnot. Yeah, at this point, his career's already made uh, almost, you know, almost a quarter of a billion dollars. So I think for him, it's more about get to a good situation, get to a good program. Yes, get paid adequately for what I, you know, what I'm worth. Um, but I don't think he's going to be pushing the envelope really on, on, on a big deal. So he he's counts on uh, on his 2021 contract. He counts $33 million on the cap, which is not relevant, right, necessarily for Washington if they were to make a trade or for any team. But that's what he counts. So. It, 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 let's just say, let's just use the numbers you said for argument's sake, four for 120, right? As I think as you said. Sure. Yeah. So let's just, let's just say that. What does that look like then from a cap perspective? So we just said Washington has about 35 million in space. And I understand I'm maybe throwing math at you in a fly. So don't, you know, if you're like, ah, you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm sure you have it. But nonetheless, if I'm <laughs> telling you, if I'm asking somebody that you need a second just to say, but like, what, 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 what does that look like from a cap, uh, a cap perspective? I mean, it's not just going to be, 30 million across the board it's going to be some you know so, some highs or lows so based on where they're at and, and, and just to sort of set the scene for for people as well and just you know obviously this isn't the only team you pay attention to obviously uh so washington would have as a, a, as i said brandon sheriff they've got to make a decision whether to, to resign him and if not i suspect they have guards on the roster but nonetheless um you know they, they got to make that call he just got he's getting paid 15 million dollars a year this year on the franchise tag we'll get to alex smith in a second but even if you dump him uh, depending on what numbers we're looking at somewhere eight to ten million dollars of dead cap he's going to have to um be, to have to uh they're going to have to deal with they still need linebacker help they need a, a wide receiver opposite Terry mclaurin which we'll get to in, in in a moment um and then just you know there's whatever else that ronald darby's a free agent so they, you know they, i don't know what they're doing at free safety just things happen right okay so yeah. um how would you how do you look at a, a stafford structure at that point well actually let me ask let me go back i'm all over the place let's go back to alex smith because it's the most significant piece that they have i personally have to believe they cannot rely on alex smith next year great story comeback player of the millennium all everything right but can't logically count on him because it's not just about performance it's also about availability in his leg you know that was part of the situation at the end of the year they couldn't count on him and he couldn't play in the playoff game if you take him off the books now, you guys, um, we, uh, based on what the numbers that you that you guys have on over the cap, um, right? He would be an eight point six million dollar dead money if they if they move on from him. Um, so if 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 that's the number to use, how does the, so we just tack that on to the thirty five? No, no, sorry. We uh, ha, so how does that work? Because right now he's counting as twenty three point three. So do we subtract off fourteen point yep. seven? So therefore yep. they would have whatever that is like roughly like $50 million now. Yep. Right around 50. Yep. Okay. So if we get us up to, let's get the 50, forget everything else. Now, what it would, now when you look at Stafford, what do you, what's your sense of how that would work and, and how, you know, how much money would they have actually next year beyond him if they were actually do that? Yeah, sure. So the way I look at Stafford, you know, in this trade scenario, as you mentioned, his $33 million cap number in Detroit, that number is not relevant in a trade. What would what would come to the, Washington would be a $20 million cap charge. Um, obviously, like you said, we do an extension. So four years, $120 million. 
you know, you can manipulate the cap like crazy and, and make that first year super, super low. Uh, but you tend to see that less with quarterbacks because they, again, just want upfront cash. They have leverage. You know, they have more leverage than anyone, you know, in this sport. So I would guess that that 20 million number would probably kind of like stick around. So I'd say you bring him in and, and at 50 million in cap space probably drops down to 30 from him. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you can also restructure deals and, and find other ways to push money down the line on bigger contracts. So if it gets to a point where they, they do want to, you know, bring him in, resign sheriff, they do have a receipt, you know, a top creation receiver, definitely clear room in a handful of different ways. And it, it wouldn't be an issue, you know, fitting them all under the cap. Okay. So, so you, you, I, I know we're just sort of guessing to obviously across the board on so many things. But if he's got coming up with a twenty million dollar hit, they may say, "Hey, we want to keep that number, make the funny money work further down the line." When maybe we get to a point where you know, if we have to cut him in three years, you know, whatever, maybe maybe we have a better chance to do that. That's kind of where they've been at with Alex Smith. They almost had to keep him on the roster this year, even if he never played, because of the way that the cap number was working. But now next year, or you know, twenty twenty one, it's a, there's some there's some dead cap money, but it's at least a little bit of a, a softer blow. Um, not that big of a of, of a deal. Now, the fact that the Colts, just for argument, the Colts have all that crazy money ahead of them. The Patriots have a lot of money. Can those, what, what could those teams do? Now, obviously, if you make a trade, the money part is separate. To make a trade with, with Detroit, to some degree, it's just offering the most stuff. <laughs> Detroit determining yeah. whose stuff that they, they want. But that aside, is there anything... I guess from a contract situation that would maybe make those teams more interesting to Stafford that thus he maybe say to Detroit, Hey, I'd rather go over there because they can give me more money. I don't know, up front or whatever it is than Washington can, even though it sounds like Washington will have, have plenty of possibly even comparable to new England. Although I don't know what new England can do to get more. That's a good question. Actually. That's the thing is, again, this is definitely a quarterback. Like I should clarify, this is just a quarterback question. Like this does not apply to any other player, but or our position. Um, yeah, they could. In, in theory, as we discussed, it's almost a foregone conclusion that if a team's going to trade for him, they would also, if you're going to give, a, in my opinion, probably a first and first plus, first and third, first and second, maybe, um, maybe future second, whatever. Like, if you're going to do that, you're also comfortable giving this guy a four or five-year deal. He's only 32. I know that's maybe only sounds a little crazy, but again, a quarterback, that's not that crazy. Um, yeah, so you could definitely say, like, hey, listen, like, your agent, as he's negotiating these deals, obviously the Lions have presumably given Stafford's agent the right to go out and talk to teams. Yeah, I mean, the, this, the Washington football team could say, listen, we'll give you $35 million a year. We'll sweeten the pot. We'll give you more guarantees. Yeah, we'll give you a bigger signing bonus, so more upfront cash um, or a big roster bonus, you know, for that first year. Like, whatever we can do to make it from a cash flow perspective, from an overall value perspective, you can compete in that area, um, I suppose. And, and, and it's it's worth trying. Um, although, as you mentioned, it's funny. I think – the Colts and Patriots are both, and I think, they are both ahead of them in projected cap space by a good chunk. But also, I think them being in the AFC probably makes them a little bit more attractive to Detroit. I know they're not in the same division, so they only see each other you know, every couple of years. But I still think there's there's a, a tiny bit of value that if, 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 if all else was equal, then I think Detroit would pick the AFC team. So maybe you kind of have to sweeten the pot a little bit anyway. So yeah, why, why, not, you know, why not go full tilt? Um, so let me ask you this about Stafford. Now we'll come back to some more of the salary cap stuff with Washington in a second, but just in terms of the Stafford conversation, let's just have that here because I haven't had it yet on the podcast. Obviously he's a very good quarterback. Now, is he as good as any of the four guys that we saw play today? I mean, certainly not Brady or Rogers or Mahomes. Uh, Josh Allen has had, had a tremendous year. 
Uh, I mean, it's, you know, with any young guy, you don't quite know what to make. Is this where he actually is? Is it, is it can he progress or is this more an aberration? We'll, we'll see over time how that goes. So let's just sort of leave him out. Stafford is not, though, at the level of those other guys. It, it, Stafford's had such a weird career. I feel like everybody who's in Detroit almost gets a pass no matter what happens because they just never win. Uh, I, I made this joke to a friend of mine the other day, not a joke. I was saying to him, boy, can you imagine being um, a friend of mine who lives right here in D.C.? I was, I was like, can you imagine being a fan of the Lions like 40 years, 50 years, and never win? He goes, did you forget I'm a Wizards fan? Yes, I can relate to that. They, it's the same problem. They, it's just never, never anything happens. So everybody gets a pass when you're kind of with the Wizards to some degree. Everybody gets a pass with the Lions. But that said, the quarterback position is the most important one in North American team sports at a minimum. If you don't have one of those, it is almost impossible to win unless you have the greatest defense of all time, uh, that type of thing. So the fact that they have been, you know, kind of meh throughout his time, I again, I get it. Their organization has problematic. But at the same time, if you're a really good quarterback, do you elevate your team? Now, I'm not saying it's been always been a disaster, but he's never won a playoff game. He has one Pro Bowl appearance. Uh, you know, he, he got unlucky, I guess, with the fact that Calvin Johnson retired. I mean, you know, you know, the best wide receiver, arguably the best receiver uh, at, at that time, just walked away. That would kind of help. But, like, on the other hand, if we assume that Dak Prescott is staying in Dallas, and if we assume that Deshaun Watson is either staying with Houston or gets traded to one of those teams like the Jets or the Dolphins picking at the top of the draft so Houston get a quarterback, there, there's really no – I mean, who else is available this year that we can think of that is even close to Stafford? I, I, I don't know. So it's this really weird spot. So I'm just curious, like, what do you actually think of him? Like, I think he's really interesting, and I'm not saying the Washington shouldn't be interested, but at the same time, I, I he's not so elite that like, oh, look out, here we go, because I, I don't know what. How do we point to that when you look at his career? Yeah, you know, I guess I should say I should preface the background like I'm a born and raised Bears fan, so I, you know, I, I'm an NFC oh. North follower. Yeah, and I was, well, I was first of all, I was about to say, if you want to talk about like oh, sad, sad existences, Matt Stafford has. Eight four uh eight four thousand yard passing seasons, which is eight more four thousand yard passing seasons than all Bears quarterbacks in the history of the franchise. So they've, they've never, never had, had one. A, they've never had a single four thousand yard passer in the history of the franchise. So that's really so maybe, unbelievable. Yeah, isn't that an incredible stat? So maybe my uh, perspective is a bit skewed, but I, I do think he's a good player. I think he's a in like the eight to fourteen, eight to twelve range of quarterbacks, and has been for for a long time. I think. Yes, you can't blame everything on the organization, but but you can blame a good chunk. Um, and them going nine and seven and ten and six, well, I think three years in a row they, they went nine and seven, ten and six. They made the playoffs, couldn't win. Like that's that's one of the better stretches of the franchise. So it's like, yes, I do also agree that a good quarterback or an elite quarterback really can kind of lift, you know, the whole operation up. Um, but I mean, they're just they're in a different class. Where like you know, like we look at organizations like the Bills and stuff, and make people make jokes and all that. But like the Bills will spend, the Bills will spend outside of football. They have one of the best training facilities in the in the sport. Like there's so many things beyond even football and beyond even like getting him a competent defense, getting him a competent head coach, getting him a competent lot of things. Like there's so much that just he wasn't in, and isn't getting in Detroit. And it looks like they are trying to kind of turn things around there. With a, with a new ownership but yeah so I do think you can look at him as like a guy who if he's playing behind you know a, a, I would say in my opinion a top top half of the league or maybe even top third of the league you know offensive line in Washington and I, I don't love the weapons on the team outside of Terry McLaurin but still like you know he like you said I mean he, he had Calvin Johnson he left I mean he does have some good receivers now but 
anyways, I, I think he could on a good team put up a phenomenal season and, and, and be have a year where he's a top five or top, you know, whatever quarterback. He's not going to consistently play at that level, but he has a really high floor. Um, you mentioned guys like that are become question marks. Like, you know, we, we see guys like a Wentz where we think he's good. Then all of a sudden it's like, what happened there? Like Stafford's worst year is still solid. Um, and he's had like four or five years in a row when he does play where he is a top half of the league quarterback, which is a lot to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And like I said, I mean, like as somebody who plays fantasy football, you know, or have historically, I don't really care as much anymore, but I still play. Matthew Stafford was always a fun guy to have. I mean, it gave you, for, if nothing else, it gave you a reason to watch the Lions on Thanksgiving. Like when you got him, you kind of know, oh, okay, I have a reason now to give a, to give a crap. Um, and look, early in his career, third season in his career, they go 10 and six. In 2014, his Pro Bowl year, they go 11, uh, 11 and five. They had back-to-back nine and seven seasons in 2016 and 17, which again, I'm not saying those things are amazing, but considering where Detroit is, it's some high, again, to use the Wizards comparison, you know, the, the Wizards made the second round, made game seven of the second round of the Eastern Conference semifinals in 2017. And that's been the high watermark more or less since they won the title in the 70s. So, um, you know, so it's the bar yeah. is all, everything is relative. But the last three years, six and 10 with him as a starter, he only played eight games in 2019. And then this year they went five and 11. Now, of course, the big thing on Washington's side is, they just made Martin Mayhew the general manager. Martin Mayhew, as the Lions general manager, selected Matthew Stafford first overall in 2009. Cannot be a coincidence. I, I mean, if you, you know, we want to discuss why did Washington bring Martin Mayhew in as opposed to anybody else? I mean, he's experienced, and we talked about this on Friday uh, and all that, but um, <laughs> it can't be a total coincidence. Detroit did not just decide Saturday that Stafford was going to be available. There had to have been some sense that this was going to happen. And I suspect Martin Mayhew had, had, a, had an inkling. So I think that I'm not saying that means Washington will get him. I think it means that Washington's interest is probably sincere uh, yeah, or yeah. perceived interest would be sincere. hundred percent. And so I, I also, there's a tidbit of information that we saw that they were telling Detroit was telling all coaching candidates that there was a likelihood that Matt Stafford would not be on the roster. So news travels. And so, yeah, like that could be, that could be like a month. You know, I don't know. I don't know how long ago head coaching interviews started now, but probably a couple of weeks. So yes, Martin Mayhew. And, and also if you saw how that process played out, you know, Herney was the announced GM that was like official that was, you know, and then like what a week and a half later. And again, they're both really talented guys and two guys, two guys that together I think could, form a better brain trust. They both have some blind spots that maybe they could help each other cancel out, um, but had decent tenures, you know, with their, with their respective franchises. Yes, I don't think that was very random um, at, at all. And even if it doesn't like make the trade happen, I think it definitely, you know, it, it definitely has to, it's not a crazy conspiracy theory to point, you know, connect those dots at all. Right. And, um, you know, as I said before, if you look at the available quarterbacks, it is a dicey proposition beyond Stafford. Um, I'm trying to get to the list. My internet is moving slow here. I mean, the Jets, if the Jets either get Deshaun Watson or take a quarterback with the second pick, maybe put Sam Darnold up, up for trade. One, you'd have to trade for him. And two, he's now, what, in his fourth year? So his, his, he's going to get an extension pretty quick. So you really have to kind of decide, do I really like this guy? You can't just, you can't just be like, well, we'll see. He's about to get paid like a real guy, if, you know, if you're going to keep him. And if you're going to trade for him, you probably want to keep him if you're going to give up, you know, something of value. So, so that's a thing. And then after that, uh, I mean, I don't know. 
is there anything that exciting out there? I mean, I, and obviously Washington fans know this, but uh, you know, realistically, they're going to bring back Kyle Allen as an exclusive rights free agent. They can make Taylor Heineke bring him back as a restricted free agent. I don't know where you're at on that. I think the general, my general take is, I think both guys, particularly Allen, because we saw him, we, he is a more of a track record in the league, is a totally reasonable sort of backup who could start at times if you need him to. But if to say he's your go-to, let's go, no, that doesn't work for me. The, Ron Rivera and Scott Turner seem to like him, so maybe they don't panic. But I, if somehow the Stafford uh, trade cost starts getting out of hand, maybe like, ah, eh, screw it. We'll we'll figure out. The, we'll draft somebody in the first round. We'll deal with Kyle Allen and we'll kind of figure it out. I could see that happening, but realistically, and I guess I should have said this earlier. I don't know what you think looking at it from the outside. Um, Washington obviously had a pretty good year. I mean, seven and nine is not great, but they won the five of the last seven. They do win the division. They had a defense that statistically ranked among the better ones in the league. I think for the eye test over the course of the year was they weren't that good, but th there's reason to be optimistic about them because of the, uh, the young defensive line in particular. Um, and if you had a quarterback like a Stafford, who knows? I mean, maybe you go up and not, by the way, they also have a first place schedule next year. So they really can't just, they, they're going to have a tougher road to get back to eight and eight, let alone, you know, go to 10 wins, you would think, uh, on, on, on some level. So, um, you know, I, I think there's, I, I can see that Ron Rivera looks at the situation and thinks, let's, let's go. Here's the other component to this. And I'm curious what you think as, as a guy who pays attention to the cap. You know, we talk about how like some of these teams, like when Russell Wilson was young and that Seattle had this opportunity to spend because it had a really good quarterback on a rookie contract. That's a pretty rare circumstance. Like same thing with the Ravens, I guess, with Lamar Jackson, um, I guess even the Chiefs with Mahomes on some level, Like you can spend elsewhere because you've got this, the most important position on cheap money. Washington has that in reverse. It's all on the defensive line because there's four picks in a row, all first round picks. I'm not even counting Matt Ioannidis who was hurt most of this year. All four of those guys. This year, John Allen's going to most likely play on the fifth year, or at least unless they give him an extension. So they'll all still be on a rookie contract this year. You get into next year, maybe they give Allen the extension, but then it, and then Deron Payne goes into the it goes into the fifth year. But you could still keep them all. But after that point, I, I don't see how you're starting to keep all these guys. And Sweat and Chase Young were the last two. I mean, Chase Young, you certainly look like you need to keep keep money for him. So you can't just pay all these guys logically. You can't have four defensive linemen getting paid full value over time. It's just, it's not a reasonable solution. But also in 2023, Terry McLaurin is a free agent. Morgan Moses, their longtime starting right tackle is a free agent. Matt Ioannidis, who I mentioned, who led the team in sacks a year ago and will be back next year and give them even more depth. He's a free agent. So it feels to me like on some level, they have a two-year window here where they couldn't like sort of maybe make this big exp bigger expanse on a guy like Stafford, structure the contract in a certain way. Maybe it's a little more friendlier. Maybe they do want to spend more money on him now, make it a little friendlier deadline. Again, I'm out of my I'm out of my element here. Don't, don't listen to me for anybody. But I'm just saying, like, I, I would imagine that this has got to be part of the equation. And then, to be really honest, with Ron Rivera, he obviously just went through a cancer scare. He also just went through Dwayne Haskins. I can't imagine he wants to deal with another young quarterback again. Uh, because you, you draft a quarterback in the first round, you can't just you can't assume he'll be good right away, even if he's good long term. This is their window, so I kind of see them having this two-year window here where they maybe do need to go for, it. and that's why I think the Stafford thing becomes more interesting. I'm just curious. I threw a lot at you there. What, what do you think about any of that um, as a guy who pays attention to these kinds of things? 
No, I, I completely agree 100%. Um, I think the beauty of if you want to look at a two-year window um, is that you don't have a lot of money. Kind of some teams, you look at it, they already have like a lot of obligations in 2022. You know, they already have a lot of guys signed. So there's already the cap hits there, stuff like that. Of course, you mentioned some guys do need some, you know, some new money coming up, but you do not, the, the, the football team does not have a lot of, you know, responsibilities already for, for 2022 and, and, and the cap could jump. So there's really, you know, they're a team that if they, it's more of a cash question for them. Like they're, they're, the cap is not really an obstacle for them, in my opinion, of course, eventually it becomes one. Um, but I agree you can't pay all four of those guys, but I think Jonathan Allen absolutely gets extended, maybe even this offseason. Um, it could honestly be smart to just do it now. Um, he might also just play in a fifth-year option. Obviously, the you know Sheriff just did this year. They're not afraid to do that um, with their players. But, you know, I really don't think that they, they have, you know, the constraint of the cap right now. Um, you know, that they've been – you know, they've been, they've been offloading, you know, they've kind of gone through this, this whole reversion period and kind of are, are starting a new chapter. So I do also agree that, yeah, like they, they have a window where you have these elite players on rookie contracts that you still should try to capitalize on. And of course, Ron Rivera as well may not be, you know, in the NFL for super long. Um, yeah, I think it does make sense where it's like you said, it is kind of, it's the inverse where like they have everything but the quarterback, but yeah, I guess they weren't phenomenal this year, but to, to win a division, go seven and nine with with like like really below average, if not even like border like near replacement level quarterback play, um, maybe be worse than that. I might even be being nice. Uh, like that's an impressive feat. So you throw a Matt Stafford, a healthy Matt Stafford in the equation, they could then win the you know ten games you're talking about, even with a first place schedule. They they really could. And and I think there's also an added component of like like I mentioned at the top of the show if a lot of other teams are kind of struggling just to kind of get their roster in place and maybe they decide, okay, we're not going to tank, but like, okay, we're going to kind of have a down year and not really spend because we've got to clean out our cap and just kind of get things back to equilibrium. Then like being aggressive in that scenario could be smart because while you're kind of surging everyone, you're kind of zigging when everyone else is zagging. Um, and, and, and finally you said the NFC, I mean, it's, it's kind of wide open. The AFC is a much more competitive conference. You have these, you know, Breeze is now not going to be there, so the Saints could take a dip. Brady obviously is apparently a cyborg, but he, you know, maybe he finally, father age finally shows up next year, father time shows up next year finally when he's 44 years old. So like it, it's 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 a, the window makes sense for a handful of reasons. Right, and and I didn't mention this earlier, but just to play out, I mentioned some of the teams that could be in the mix. I mentioned the Colts and the Patriots because they were two teams ahead of Washington in terms of cap space. Uh, I think the 49ers are a team that could make a lot of sense for. Uh, to get in, I don't have the information in front of me, but it sounds like they can kind of get out of Jimmy Garoppolo's contract without too much stress. Uh, the Denver Broncos perhaps could be, in, could it be interesting? Their new GM, George Payton, was uh, with the Vikings for many years, so he's going to know Matthew Stafford. And, you know, I guess we'll just have to see what they think of Drew Locke, if there's enough reason to be excited, um, uh, to be excited about him. Uh, the Panthers could be a team perhaps. It's interesting. Teddy Bridgewater was kind of yeah this year. Uh, you know, do they want to make uh, an, an aggressive play? I I I'm going to assume D Dak Prescott doesn't leave Dallas, so we can we can take them uh, out of the equation. And uh, you know, beyond that, you start like a team like the Saints post Drew Brees. Sure, I don't even understand. Is they are their cap space? I said Washington has plus 35 million. The Saints minus 103. I don't even understand. I literally. Don't even understand the math on that, uh, but I'm assuming they're out on Stafford. <laughs> uh, yeah, I yeah, I, I would assume so. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you know, and beyond that, you know, look, obviously, uh, 
there's yeah there's ways to manipulate things but that would be uh that that would be uh that would be that um so um let me ask you this so i mentioned brandon scherf um he played this year on the franchise tag about 15 million uh, the salaries for the top guards in the league again there's different ways to look at it you're talking about the average dollars per year or guaranteed money whatever but it's sort of in that general range what's your just general take he, he was named all pro this year um so good but you know whether yeah, that's yeah. reputation or, or true play whatever he was one of the better guards in the league one way or the other but it's a lot of money for a non-tackle on the offensive line now they also sort of to my point they're paying morgan moses in their left tackle they may be able to get away with having someone on the relative cheap what do you think about paying a guard that kind of uh money so I, I think in general, it's not a, a kind of something I like to do uh, or, or would like to do. Um, but when you take that fifth overall, um, when you play through what the fifth year option and now a franchise tag, and you already have taken on a $15 million cap hit in one year. And yeah, he makes an all pro. I thought it was kind of funny. I feel like he's had better seasons. He was very good this year. I thought he was very good. But I feel like there's other seasons where he maybe could have, you know, got me all pro nod. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to justify not doing it uh, at this point. And I think that 15 million number kind of just basically like makes it clean, makes it easy. Um, so I think a 15, you know, five year, $75 million deal, like just kind of like makes just too much sense. Um, you know, they just, they just extended Chase Rulia and a nice deal. Um, good player at center. So those two guys can kind of be locked up for the foreseeable future. Um, yeah. So in a general ideology, I'm, I, I don't love it, but, I don't think you'll have a choice here. And if you look at it this way, you were probably going to get, you know, Trent Williams is probably going to get $20 million a year um, from San Francisco or, or someone. Uh, in my opinion, I think he's going to get 20. Some people think a little bit less than that. But um, so, so like, if you if you want to look at it, like, well, we, we're not paying that anymore. So now we're taking on this. Like, there, there's a whole, in you know, a lot of different ways to look at it. Um, I think that deal's likely and, and probably should get done. And, you know, one way I think to maybe look at it, similar to what I talked said before about how, you're paying your 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 big opportunities because of the defensive line is is cheap. Um, you know, if you keep if they keep the same offensive line attack, I'm not saying that they should necessarily, but if they did, which it wasn't bad as the year progressed, you know, Cornelius Lucas, a left tackle, did a solid job. He's not making anything. Um, even if Sadiq Charles, their fourth round pick this year, who basically didn't play at all uh, because of injuries. They still like him. If he comes in either at tackle or maybe a guard, he's all he was on his rookie deal still. Wes Schweitzer, I think, solidified things at the left guard spot. He signed a contract contract last year, but he's not breaking the bank. So if you just view Sheriff's money as the left tackle they don't have, then you know, okay, you can kind of get by. And the reality is, I if Sadiq Charles can take the left tackle spot, then you know you've got him on a rookie deal for the next few years and Cornelius Lucas like I said not the best but he wasn't bad so you know look you can't have all pros at every position you certainly can't pay for all pros at every position so the line wasn't terrible you've kept Rui if you keep sure if you keep Moses it's not bad and look the reality is I think also is when Dwayne Haskins was playing quarterback as experienced as he was the line looked worse when Alex Smith was playing quarterback a guy who's been there done that knows what to do gets the ball out and so on the line looked better and a guy like Stafford would in theory be more like that because of just, you know, his experience in the league. So I would expect you can maybe to some degree get away with spending a little bit less at left tackle if you have a Stafford versus some other ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. 
No, go ahead. Andy. I was just going to say it's funny. The NFC East has kind of had like this, this like funny, like ebb and flow where, okay, so the, the three current highest paid right guards are all in the NFC East. It's Kevin Zeitler, Brandon Brooks, and, uh, <laughs> and Zach Martin. And then Sheriff is on the tag is the first. And then they all, they all have dominant interior defensive lines. Like they, I mean, you guys obviously, and then the Giants with Dexter Lawrence, obviously Leonard Williams and Dalvin Thompson are free agents. Uh, Fletcher Cox in Philly with Javon Hargrave, who they just signed. Um, and again, I'm like, and the Cowboys could probably use a lot of help there. But but so like there's, it kind of makes like sense to have a strong interior. It's kind of, and the division's done it because you're facing these, you know, dominant defensive lines for every team. So, you know, I think, I think it probably makes sense. Now, here's the other thing. So, okay, so now we've said they have about, you know, if, if they get rid of Alex Smith, uh, they would have, we, we think, so we're to say roughly 50, $50 million. Again, if we're saying they're going to trade for Stafford. Um, oh, actually, let, let, let me let me stay on Stafford for a second. We didn't get the cost of the actual trade itself. I'm just curious your your, your thoughts, and I'm going to write about this on the Athletic. And by the way, I should say that we're talking again here with uh, Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. Follow him on Twitter at pff underscore Brad. Clearly, he knows what he's talking about. So follow him. And as I always tell people, when if you go on Twitter, be nice. Just, you know, be nice to people on Twitter. Um, the actual cost of the trade. Now, what's interesting is. And I'll write about this in the athletic, but so like, you know, he, he will be 33 by next season. He's been largely pretty durable other than missing uh, eight games last year, but you know, age is what it is. Um, again, I agree with you. I think he's pretty good, but he also hasn't done that much. I mean, it's weird to like, like if he were to win a playoff game for Washington, it would be the first one he's ever won, I think. So like, you know I mean? It's not like you're saying, Hey, Tampa Bay just got Tom Brady. Who's won six Super Bowls. Like, you know, so whatever. Anyway, the point is, how do you gauge what value is? The fact that a lot of teams could be in play, though, all the ones I just went through, they're not all going to draft the quarterback. Teams like New England and Indianapolis probably don't even want to, you know? I mean, maybe New England would, but I don't know if Belichick wants to rebuild, you know? So the, the question, therefore, becomes what is the actual cost? I think at a minimum, a first-round pick probably seems like a reasonable call. Um but then beyond that, I was throwing out the people around the league. Well, what if it's a first and a third? Does that get it done? Um, I think some people were sort of pushing back for some of the reasons I just said, his age, what what has he actually done relative to these great quarterbacks? On the other hand, the marketplace, if too many teams want to get in and you just have one or two teams who are like, hey, we can't, we, what, are we, what are we doing here? You know, we, 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 we think we have a chance or we want to have a chance. We can't do it with what we have. We have to do a move. Washington maybe lands in that category. So I think there's maybe a sense of first and third. Maybe that's even light. I, I, I don't know. What's your, what's your gut? Obviously, it's just all happening. But what, what's your sort of guess right now, if you had to guess, kind of what you think the market is? I think you said first and the third earlier, but just, I don't know if you were saying that or just throwing it out. So that was, that was based on a little bit, little bit of research. So generally, the way, the way teams even look at it um, is you really just kind of look at past trades. And you try to just find similarities with the contractual situation, the age, and the, and the play of the player, of course. So... The most obvious connection, it's actually, it's, you can't always find a perfect, you know, perfect com comparable trade. So sometimes you got to kind of fit in between it. The Carson Palmer trade from the Bengals to the Raiders is the exact same trade. Like it's, it's honestly kind of, kind of freaky. Um, you know, same age, he was 31 years old. He was going to be 32 the following year. He, again, hadn't really done, he made the playoffs a handful of times, but they could never win a playoff game. Um, and was playing at a, at a, you know, middle of the pack to maybe upper middle of the pack level. Um, so yeah, for all, for a lot of reasons, it kind of checks a lot of boxes and, and it was a first and a future second was that trade. So 
I'll be honest, I don't recall the market. Maybe you know, because that, that also is, of course, important. Um, I don't recall. He was he was like retired. He was or he was threatening retirement because he just couldn't play another down with the Bengals, which right. seems like it's kind of what the situation is in Detroit as well. Um, so I, yeah, I think for a lot of reasons that one adds up. So I I would say. Well, I should say that as well. A future second is generally treated like a third, a current year third. That's kind of how they they treat them in the trade marketplace. So, yeah, first and third was was kind of an educated guess based on you know what what the market is. Of course, that can change if a handful of teams get in the mix. I don't think you should a, t- a team should you know go two first just to beat out another team on, a, on an offer from Matt Stafford. Like I wouldn't get I wouldn't fall for that trap. But if it was a first and a third, and they said all right, first and a second gets it done, I I probably still do that. I always like to view these things from a certain level of desperation. Um, you know, when Washington traded for Alex Smith in 2018, my belief then, and it have not been disproven since, is that uh, obviously that thing with with Kirk Cousins was, you know, stupid. You know, st- such a stupid way that it all went down. Not saying they necessarily had to give him the money, but just they should have traded him in, or just done so much more than what they ultimately did in just getting a, a compensatory third round pick. But basically. They made the odd decision. I mean, it was it's very rare to make a big trade like that in January. Um, they did to get Alex Smith. They gave up a third and Kendall Fuller. Uh, and to me, it was because they were divorcing their wife and wanted to have a new girlfriend before she did, basically. And 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 you know that level of panic or ego or whatever doesn't necessarily is not necessarily to lead to good moves. Um, and I didn't like that trade. Forget again, it's with Alex Smith, forget the injury. That's obviously just incredibly bad luck. But, you know, and, and they were winning games that year uh, before he got hurt. Let me not discount that they were six and four, including the game he got uh, hurt. But nonetheless, it wasn't like, I almost felt like he was playing better this year at times than he was, when he was that year. Um, so the question is like, what teams out there may be like, hey, we got to go get this guy. We can't wait. I mean, I don't know if the Indianapolis, while everybody's pointing to them, you know, I think their GM, you know, I don't, I don't know if I sense panic with, with, with him. They did trade a first round pick this past year to get to Forrest Buckner. So they sure were willingness to do it, but I don't know if I see panic. Belichick, I definitely don't ever see panic. I just don't know if he really wants to, 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 uh, you know, what, what he wants to, to, to do there. I'm assuming Cam won't be back, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see. And then, like I said, you look at some other teams, I don't know, San Francisco, is there a panic there? I don't, do you see any of these teams going, man, we have got to go get somebody and Stafford's the best guy. We've got to go get this guy. I honestly do, which is funny to say, because Bill Belichick never thinks like he has to do anything, but I, I do think the Patriots, again, he's getting up there in age as well. I think they do recognize like this roster needs a little bit more help and like they shouldn't maybe attack the 2021 window, but, but they had, the more, they had more opt-outs than any other franchise by a significant margin. Everyone kind of glosses over that. They had like eight opt-outs and the next highest team had like two. Um, so they, they really could, I think, kind of bounce back more than people, uh, you know, think. And yeah, he, he's kind of getting up there in age. There's, you know, I, I do think they, again, I'm never going to say they need to. Um, and the other one I think that really interests me a lot is, I think actually you mentioned it, was the Broncos. Um, again, I'm not going to say need to, they, they don't need to. Like, I mean, George Payton uh, definitely, I think, is going to be patient. I mean, the Vikings are one of the more patient franchises around. Um, and that's kind of been their MO and it's worked well for them. And, and I, I they should hope he brings that to Denver. But in my opinion, I, I think Drew Locke, I think, I think we know, we kind of know what Drew Locke is. Um, I know every time we say that now, especially at PFF, which we, we did that with Josh Allen, and, and now we watched him play in the AFC Championship game tonight, and he's obviously had a phenomenal season. But I don't even think Drew Locke, it, like, is even really in that kind of, you know, category. I, I think they, 
should feel a desire. They also have a really good roster, have an underrated roster. Um, and so I think there's a window there. You know, we talk about windows. Like, I think they kind of have a window there. That the defense is still really good, even without Von Miller this year with a really good defense. Um, you know, he should come back and, and be a you know, high-level player. Uh, probably needs a new contract of his own. And then they have, like, a, that offensive line's kind of coming along. Um, you know, they just extended – I'm blanking on his name now, of course. Uh, just extended Garrett Bowles, their left tackle. You know, big contract. He had a phenomenal season. So, like, they kind of have a window there, too. And, and they're receiving, their receiving weapons are crazy. I mean, they have Judy – they just drafted Judy. They drafted KJ Hamlin the second. They have Cortland Sutton coming back from injury as well. Noah Fant's a great tight end. Like they have a lot of a lot of players. So again, not neither and, team. I'm, I'm saying they're they're desperate, but like this, a sense of urgency could make sense. But I mean, the, and the desperation with them could come with the team that's going to be favored to win the Super Bowl because it's bad. We're, we're, if you don't have a quarterback, we say you, you have no chance. Well, they're in the division with Patrick Mahomes which means you're automatically behind the eight ball big time in terms of getting out of the division. Oh, and by the way, the Chargers just drafted Justin Herbert, who, you know, had one of the better rookie seasons uh, for a quarterback. So, you know, if they, if he keeps that up now, I mean, now you're, you're really behind in the odds of getting any further, um, you know, forget the Raiders or we'll see what they do. But like, uh, yeah. So, I mean, just in terms of quarterback, if you, you know, just sort of taking a shot on Drew Locke, may not even be remotely close enough. Um, and at least Stafford, like we said, would give you some level of instant credibility. And then you're just going to have to uh, go from there. Um, I, I'm, I'm keeping you long. This is what always happens here on the podcast. So I apologize. But I have one last sort of broad question for you. Um, if you look at Washington's needs beyond quarterback, uh, let's just say again, they keep Brandon Scherf. They need a linebacker. I'm just going to, for argument's sake, say, well, I guess if they trade the first round pick for Stafford, they won't have that to draft. But We'll just say they use the second round pick on a linebacker. We'll, we'll maybe we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that another day. Wide receivers, uh, they need another receiver. Now, me personally, I don't love the. I don't. It is a position I do not like spending a lot of money on. I just go with the general theory: the further you are away from the line of scrimmage and the ball itself, the less interested I am in you. Um, and I don't want to spend a lot of money. Plus, they're going to have to pay Terry McLaurin in a couple of years, and he is not just a, a good player. He's clearly one of the young leaders on this team. So in my head, I'm thinking, well, if I give him a wide receiver big money now, can I justify giving McLaurin money? I know that's a two-year down the window problem, but it's in my head. Now, all that said, they do need more help a receiver somehow, whether that's the draft or or an under, uh, underrated guy. But there's a decent amount of free agent receivers this year, right? I'm kind of just going to go through the list here off, if I'm off the top of my head here, and if, or I'm looking at something. If, if I'm forgetting somebody, let me know. Allen Robinson is definitely a big one. The the uh, well, you're, you're you guy you know very well. I assume you want the Bears to keep him, but he's going to be a guy out there that people are going to want to get. Uh, Chris Godwin with Tampa Bay is going to be out there. Uh, Juju Smith Schuster, you know, maybe he's not where he was a year or so ago, but you know, he's still an interesting receiver. He is going to be uh, he's going to be out there. Who else am I forgetting? Uh, Corey Davis from the Titans. Corey Davis, T.Y. Hilton, is he available? Yep, yep. A.J. Green's, you know, he's getting up there, but, you know, he's historically been productive. I don't know what we think of him at this point, but he'll be out there. Marvin Jones with the Lions. I mean, I guess if you bring in Stafford, maybe going with Mar Marvin Jones isn't the worst idea. They obviously know each other, and he's been, you know, fairly uh, fairly productive. Um, that's just a few. Maybe there's some other guys. I mean, Sammy Watkins, I don't know what to make of him, but he's available. He'll be out there, too. So, the money for these guys, obviously we don't know, but I would guess kind of Allen Robinson will be probably the guy at the top of that class. You know, so if we say they, 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 they cut Alex Smith and they trade 
for, for Stafford and they re-signed Brandon Scherf. And now we're saying, okay, the next big expenditure receiver, what's your sense of the receiver market? And like, what would the, how, what would the cost be? And is it realistic for Washington to think they could do all the things we just said and still get one of these guys? Like, would it be a prudent move to also do all those things? Yeah, I still think they could. I, and, I, and I'll tell you, I, obviously, you and I, I haven't been on the podcast before, but I'm a very, my approach to roster construction is to be super frugal. I don't really like, and, and that's, you know, I just, I am, I'm like you. I, I think ahead and I think of all these upcoming expenses and all that, but I still, I, I do think Washington should have, have an offseason where they spend. Um, and, I, and I think they should be in the mix. I mean, I know they, they, they made a, a serious offer to Amari Cooper last offseason. Um, to my understanding, it was actually more than what he got with, uh, from from Dallas. Uh, a slight, you know, slightly more, but yeah. So they're obviously interested, in that. and I think Terry McLaurin's a stud. But it's almost again like capitalize on his rookie contract window, where like yes, he is going to become very expensive, but you have him on a cheap deal now, and if you have a, you know, you can say all right, we're spending this much on this guy, and then you know Terry's cheap and a really good player. I think Allen Robinson's going to come in around twenty million, or maybe a little bit higher, twenty one, twenty two million dollars, or, or, or right around there. Then I think Godwin and, Gall- um, and Galladay kind of say, same mix. Then I think it probably drops off a little bit. I think probably 17, 16 million range for Juju or like a Will Fuller because of the because the PEDs. He probably would be worth more if he didn't have that suspension. Um, maybe a little bit drop off again for like a Corey Davis. And then I think like, a, you know, a couple of cheaper options that could be good, like a, like a Curtis Samuel from Carolina. I think he could probably be had for maybe 10, 12 million a year. Um, and he's, a, you know, a productive player. You've got to put them all over. I also think, in today's NFL, we need to look at weapons as weapons. So I think like a, a Johnu Smith from the ten- Tennessee, great yard after the catch guy, you know, gets you a lot of yards after the catch. Logan Thomas had a great breakout year, but look, he's a 30-year-old or going to be a 30-year-old tight end. And I mean, you know, uh, Vance McDonald just retired, um, you know, at 30 years old. Gronk retired at 29. Like, you're not guaranteed really anything from, from Logan Thomas going forward. So just bringing in more weapons, you know, it, it, I think would be a good idea either in the draft, but, but they should, they, they could, they could address in the draft, but you have a lot of young guys there. So maybe it would make sense to bring in, you know, more of a seasoned veteran of free agency. Um, I know Alan Robinson is sort of the, everybody's like, Oh, that's the guy to get since you're a bears guy. You said, what do you think? Is he worth it? If it's $20 million, I don't know. But like, if, if it's something along those lines, um, what do you think? I would, I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, yeah. Really good player. He's still only 27. You know, it's going to be his third contract or he will be 20. Will be, I think he'll be 27 in the first half of the year, turn 28, whatever. He's still pretty darn young um, for coming up on a third deal. Yeah, he's just, he's a really good player. Um, you know, went through a difficult contract year, and not that every receiver needs to be like a headache, but we've seen like situations, and he never, never caused a problem, never was an issue um, because he's just like a hard, really hardworking, like leader of, you know, him and Terry McLaurin would be like leading this team like you can't believe. So I think all the off the field is perfect. And then on the field, I think he's a total stud. Um, obviously I'm a fan, yes, I'm a Bears fan, but also just think he's a very good player. Um, you know, can, can do a lot for you, go up and get it, but can also just get open, can separate. Um, yeah, and I think him and Terry also are, would be a, like a good yin and yang, honestly. I, I haven't paid enough attention to what's going on in Chicago is the sense that he actually could stay. I mean, we're all talking about him leaving, but and I don't know, obviously the Bears have their own quarterback debate with, with Mitch Trubisky, who is one of the guys who in theory will be in free agency. So that's, that's, a, that's another name, but I, I, you know, I don't know how excited anybody is for the him, even though they, you know, made the playoffs and he did some good things, but you know, it's been an up and down ride for him. What's your, uh, I guess, what's your sense is, is Robinson going to want to get out or is there a chance he actually stays? 
So I think I, I believe he enjoyed his time, and I and I believe like you know it was a good fit locker room, all that with the culture and everything. But he said at his end of season, you know, his exit interview, so to speak. Um, I felt like we had 365 days to get something done. That that was the direct quote. So I think he wanted to stay. I think he wanted to sign a deal before the season even started. I think they were motivated to get something done, and, and Chicago just really didn't reciprocate. I now do though think there's a probably a good chance they're going to franchise tag him. It could still turn into a tag and trade, but then now we're talking, all right, you can't trade for Stafford and trade maybe a second for Allen Robinson. Then that, that, that's where it gets out of hand. So I do think a franchise tag is pretty likely. Any other of these receivers that you like, like whether somebody with a big tag or somebody further down the list? Like I, I always kind of like Juju Smith-Schuster, but that may just be more he's fun than anything else. And there is something to be interesting about Marvin Jones if you were to get Stafford, but anybody you like? Yeah, so – I, now that I mentioned, I think Will Fuller, honestly, they bring a speed element. Oh, Terry yeah, is great. yeah, Terry is great, but he's not necessarily like a burner per se. You know, he's more just guy that gets open and, and creates after the catch and all that. So that actually actually is a pretty interesting tandem to me. Um, yeah, I like Juju, but I, I don't know. He, he's kind of a slot that doesn't bring as much like game changing kind of talent. Um, you know, he had a good finish to his to his to the season. He had a, you know, they had I mean, threw the ball 100 times, but he had like a, a big stat line in that playoff game against Cleveland. Um, he just doesn't like it, it totally excite me in free agency, um, but he is super young and he is a fun player. So, I mean, you know, I don't dislike the guy at all. Um, and then, yeah, then I, from that point, I'd probably drop into like the Curtis Samuel range. Marvin Jones is like what, 32 now. And yeah, like he's a, he's a productive player for sure, but, and then would probably be, you know, a good veteran. Like I said, that is kind of a young wide receiver room. So maybe an older guy would make sense, but, um, yeah, I think Will Fuller, honestly, now that I, now that I said it out loud, I think it really does. He would be a good fit on, on the football team. And Curtis Samuel, I can hear people screaming, of course that's who they're going to get. Ron Rivera brings in everybody who was on Carolina. They just now added Marty Herney as well. And, yeah, Curtis Samuel makes a ton of sense. Uh, he doesn't make any sense for him to go back to Carolina because they they uh, they, they got DJ Moore, uh, Robbie Anderson. Uh, was Robbie Anderson a one-year deal or a multi-year deal? No, one more year, so he'll be under contract okay. next year. So, yeah. yeah, he's like the third guy now. Uh, you know, here he could start. I don't know. Uh, you know, I didn't watch enough Carolina this year to see what he did yet, you know, so I don't know what you think of him. But, like, yeah, he would make total sense, assuming that Ron Rivera, that was a guy that he liked, so that would make a lot of sense for uh, for Washington. No, um, I think he'd make a ton of sense to the yeah, A. Also brings the speed element, and they used them all over. They, they gave him, like, like, four or five carries a game by the end of the year. Like, they were using him like a jackknife. I mean, he's kind of, you know, he'd be a fun player like Antonio Gibson. You can just put him anywhere. And that was one thing we saw a lot this year with Scott Turner's offense, the, the using guys in a variety of ways, um, and, and and that would be something for sure. They, they didn't get a ton of consistent play out of Steven Sims. He did, he did have a touchdown in the playoffs, but it was kind of a disappointing year. So maybe Samuel, they view as a more souped-up version um, of, of him. Um, Brad, man, I really appreciate it. I appreciate your patience, both with the time and also me asking these elementary uh, questions. I, I didn't ask you about Aaron Rodgers. I really didn't think this was even a discussion until during the game. It felt like everybody's like discussing is Rodgers going to be back next year. And I guess that was part of the post-game conversation. This feels more like a him asking out issue than it is them. I know they drafted uh, Jordan Love, but give me a break. I'm not going to him. I mean, you're, again, you're our official NFC North correspondent. Is Aaron Rodgers going to leave Green Bay? Like, where, would you, where, <laughs> where, where is he going? I mean, unless he just wants out. He's the, they're on the one seed. He, he can't go to the other one seed. They have Mahomes. And if the goal is to win another Super Bowl, I mean, Aaron Rodgers going anywhere makes that team good, like the way Brady did with Tampa. But I don't know. Is he going to San Francisco? Because that's where he's from. Like, I, I don't know where he's getting a better deal than where he's had. 
but maybe he's pissed off. He's been there a long time and they've disrespected him, I would argue, <laughs> with the Jordan Love deal. So what's your, is it, I mean, do we have to put him into this quarterback thing? Because if we do, then Stafford maybe is not as, isn't as hot of commodity if Aaron Rodgers is available. No, I do think you nailed it on the head when you said like it's, it's coming more from his camp and himself than it is coming from the Packers. I mean, yes, they obviously did draft Jordan Love, but he doesn't look like he's ready to start next year. And, and the, ta- the roster is probably too talented to hand him the keys and, and potentially waste, you know, a really good roster still. I think he is not happy with what happens. I think beyond just Jordan Love, I mean, their, their entire rookie class was just useless this year. Maybe they could turn into good players, but they basically, they had an NFC championship team and added like nothing to it. And, and he's probably pissed off about that. Um, so maybe he wants to raise, uh, you know, yeah, even I mean, though he has the receivers oh, they could have drafted. The receivers they right. could have drafted, right. whether they had traded, uh, you know, if they had traded up. Uh, T. Higgins, off the top of my head, was yep. one. Chenault uh, was another one. Yeah. Pittman, um, Colts, yeah. Pittman, who I really like. Yeah, I mean, they had some guys who were who who were really good, or just whatever, any position. So yeah, to, to draft the quarterback was bonkers. And if they, if they if they if they pissed off Aaron Rodgers, not that he wants out, that <laughs> is an all time disaster but at the same point man like I said I don't know where I, I don't know where he's yeah, going that's a better situation than the I mean yes I they lost but uh, you know my, my philosophy is always I've said this before in the podcast my philosophy is generally you don't make plans to win the Super Bowl you make plans to contend and if you get lucky and the ball goes bounces your way and you know you know look Green Bay didn't do anything with all those Tom Brady turnovers today for points if they had they win the game that they had the opportunities that didn't get there but you keep putting yourself in position you hope one day it works out so I, I don't know where he's going that's a better situation than this but yeah no that's that's a good point I, I don't either I don't even have an answer for that one but it does I mean it sounds like there's a greater than zero percent chance I suppose but I'm I'm guessing they they mend fences and, and work it all out because like you said it is his best chance so why would he if he wants to win again he probably is in the best place to do that right if I were him I would be like look I'll stay but here's the deal you're, I don't know what our, I don't know what Green Bay's cap space is. Here's these receivers. Get one. <laughs> here's our, here's our draft board. Here's who we're taking in the first round, right here. Right, 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 right. Whatever the thing, whatever the two things we need. I don't know what they need on the offensive line. Get these things. I will stay. Don't get these yeah. things. I'm going to demand a trade the second we're out of here. And ironically, that's what they got pissed off about Brett Favre. He kept like, eh, I don't know if I want to stay around anymore. After all, they got screw this. But this is one time for Rodgers. Favre did it like every year for multiple years. So <laughs> yeah. in any event, um, Brad, man, I really do appreciate it. Again, go follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. Go read his stuff on PFF. Uh, you know, go, go check, go click on uh, over the cap as well. I'm sure we'll, you know, Brad will get credit for every time you click on there uh, to check out Washington salary cap. Matt, I really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Great conversation. All right. I you know what? I think that was a, a good conversation. I'm always nervous talking about things like the salary cap because, you know, th- some of this stuff is I, – I, I got I got A's in math in school, but I sucked in accounting, and I feel like there's more accounting going on here than straight math. So uh, <laughs> I took an accounting class in college once. I was terrible, and we did a – we did a, um, we did a uh, first exam, and I figured I bombed. And the teacher, when we, we came back in a couple of days later to uh, to you know have a class and then get our test back, the teacher starts off by saying, you know what, um, everybody, um, you know, by and large, everybody did well. She's like, the only person that did terrible, they don't pay any attention anyway. 
So she hands out the tests in the beginning of class. I look at my score. I was clearly a terrible person, and she had just said I'm paying no attention. She wasn't wrong. I got up in the middle of class and just left. I was like, there's no point. Like, you know, of course, it's like pre-phone. I couldn't, well, I had nothing to do. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. I, I left the class, went straight to drop it. <laughs> oh, college. All right. Um. Anyway, so enough of that. Appreciate you guys checking out the podcast as always. I'll have, uh, 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 barring the unforeseen coming up, I'll put up my interview with Quincy Avery probably next. So that'll be good. And then I'll also update if we do, you know, regardless on whatever else is happening um, with this team. The um, Maybe by then we'll have some more information about changes in the scouting department. And like I said, the Quincy Avery article, even if you read it on The Athletic, there was a lot more that we got into about Deshaun Watson about Trey Lance and the and quarterbacks in this draft about Dwayne Haskins and, and just sort of his percept his perspective uh, Quincy's perspective on on Dwayne and, and kind of went went wrong there and what are maybe next steps for him and I know that like Dwayne Haskins is not our problem anymore our meaning the Washington football community team community but it is important to sort of grasp you know if you're going to look for sort of what went wrong to understand it and this is somebody who you know, did intimately deal with, with Dwayne Haskins. So I think you'll get some good perspective on that um, for sure. All right, that's it for now here on the Standard Groom Only Podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Ben Standig. Uh, subscribe on The Athletic. Subscribe here on for this podcast on multiple places. And uh, have fun. Be safe out there. And uh, that's it. Until next time.